Hi everyone, so before we get into today's episode, I just want to tell you that this week it is structured quite a bit differently than it normally is. So I ended up dividing uh, this week's guest into two separate episodes. So very exciting. Uh, This guest should feel very, very special. So I'm really excited for you guys to get to hear my friend and pastor Mitch Miller uh, from Griggs Memorial Baptist Church speak on the podcast this week. So this week for part one of the episode, you'll get to hear Mitch's story of God's grace in his life and also his call to ministry. Now, what's really special about this for me is that the church that Mitch pastors at, Grids Memorial Baptist Church, held a really special place in my heart. Uh, Whenever I needed uh, a community, Grids was really there for me. And so I am eternally grateful uh, for the community that Grids provided for me, as well as opportunities to serve in the Poe Mill community. And I will tell you that there is no greater joy than the joy that comes from serving Jesus. And I definitely have loved every minute of being at Grid's Church um, whenever I'm able to, to serve. Moving on, just wanted to say that I'm super excited for you guys to get to hear Mitch Miller and his story this week. And then next week, be sure to tune in as he will be sharing quite a bit more about Griggs, their mission, and what they are currently doing in the Poe Mill community. You're definitely not going to want to miss this. Hi, everyone. This is Anna from the Don't Mind Me podcast. Today, I'm very excited because I have my friend Mitch on here. Um, He is the pastor at Griggs Memorial Baptist Church here in Greenville. I am very excited for everyone to hear a little bit more about you and your testimony, but also about Grids, because I think that what um, Grids does in the Poe Mill community specifically, but really for all of Greenville, um, is just incredible. And so I'm very excited. So Mitch, I'd love for you just to tell everybody a little bit more about you, and then we'll get into our topic for today. Yeah, uh, well, I am um, from Indiana uh, originally, and I lived there for a long time. So I, you know, grew up there, was there um, into early adulthood. Been in, then I moved to here to Greenville. Was here for college, and so I was here for about four years, four and a half years, if you count the summer afterwards. And then um, I actually lived on the West Coast for a couple of years, which is where I met my wife Joanna. And we've been married nine years now. We actually just had our anniversary two days ago, uh, three days ago, I guess now. And so uh, we met out in uh, Seattle, Washington and uh, got married. And then we came to Greenville. For me, it was coming back to Greenville uh, because there was a job opening here that I felt like we should take and uh, as a youth pastor here in town. And it was a great time. Um, Since then, we have had two kids. I got a seven-year-old named Marin and a five-year-old named Alden. They're just the best kids around. And I like having a boy and a girl. And uh, we also, um, after a couple of years, uh, transitioned from doing youth ministry, which was was quite a, quite a ride. We like youth ministry, love youth ministry. But we transitioned into pastoring a church 
over towards uh, the west side of Greenville in a small mill village called Griggs. And it was kind of a church revitalization project. And I'm sure we'll talk about that soon in, in this episode. But uh, we've been doing that now for, I would say, uh, we're coming up on seven years. So um, that's a little bit about me. I mean, that's the overview is I'm uh, just kind of a family man hanging out with the wife and kids, doing all kinds of the, you know, very stereotypical dad stuff. I got a soccer game tomorrow for Marin that I uh, go sit through and pretend to know the rules. And uh, by God's grace, I think I'm, you know, doing my best here to teach and preach Jesus and uh, revitalize the church and reach the neighborhood that we're in. Yeah, well, Mitch is a big sports guy, as you guys can tell. Um, he knows a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was my biggest takeaway. No, I'm just kidding. But congratulations, first of all, on your anniversary the other day. Thanks. Um, I think that's a cool story. Even just how you guys met and came back here. Um, to tell you guys a little bit about how I got to meet Mitch and get connected with Grids is uh, I go to a church called Fellowship Greenville a lot. Fellowship Greenville partners with Griggs to help them in the community that they're working with. And I saw a video for Griggs and brought tears to my eyes. I knew that I wanted to be a part of helping out that community because they work a lot with uh, people who are lower income or are experiencing homelessness. And so it's something that really touched my heart. I want to be a part of it. And so I've spent a lot of time at the church. I've helped out a lot of events. And uh, I can attest to the fact that Mitch um, is a very gifted speaker and pastor and just loves on the people in this community so well. Well, anyway, today I'd love for you, Mitch, just to go ahead and share your testimony with all of us. And then we'll kind of go from there and learn more about Greg's and what you're doing specifically. Great. Yeah, I love talking about um, how I met Jesus. Uh, was, uh, you know, really, it goes back to uh, my grandfather. My grandfather was the first one in our family to that we, that I know of to meet Jesus and to get saved. Um, he did as an older guy uh, in the Air Force. My dad was a kid, maybe uh, towards teenage years. He then accepted Christ as well, following the footsteps of my grandpa, his dad. And so by the time I came around, I was able to be raised in a Christian home. So my parents taught me the gospel. Uh, from a young age, and for whatever reason, didn't quite take till I was about 17. And when I was 17, I had been, you know, just experiencing a lot of that teenage rebellion in my own heart. Uh, you know, my version of rebellion, uh, you know, everybody's kind of got their way of running. And so I was doing mine, and um, particularly in the friends I was hanging out with, and uh, some of Though I wasn't the biggest party or some of that partying I was doing, um, and just my overall, you know, posture of life, like I was not worshiping the Lord God. I was not in any way interested in it. And um, the whole time I was uh, attending a Christian school and the Christian school wanted to go to this Christian camp as part of like the, I don't know, school kickoff, like beginning of the year. And of course I tried to get out of that. Uh, I was the king of getting out of things, but I couldn't get out of this trip for whatever reason. I tried everything, but uh, had to go. So went on this trip, and there was a guy uh, teaching the gospel. And for whatever reason, though I had heard it before, that was the week it clicked for me. 
and West Virginia. So I was in Indiana, but we went to West Virginia. I think it was. Yeah, it was West Virginia for this camp. And I guess you got to be lost to be found, you know. <laughs> and so I was down there and uh, I remember uh, after the ser- one of the services, I went outside where you could talk with one of the counselors and I talked with him. And uh, I, I just, it was overwhelming to me that I, you know, I knew I, I needed Jesus. I knew I was lost and that I was in sin. And so in the middle of a field, at a camp I didn't want to go to in West Virginia, of all places, uh, the Holy Spirit filled me and I received Christ and confessed him as my Lord. And really, my life did begin to change in a lot of ways. Um, one way is this call to ministry that we're sort of talking about today. Um, but I, I got saved in a very interesting situation. I started following Jesus as a senior at a Christian high school with essentially um, a lot of non-Christian kids there. Um, and so maybe some religious kids perhaps, but not a lot of kids who were really following Jesus. And so the same night that I got saved, they had this like testimony service where you could like stand up and say what you learned or whatever. So I stood up at that service and I talked about how that night I had talked with someone and I had made the decision to follow Jesus. And I remember that night really well because after I said that, I sat down. It was kind of quiet in the room because I was definitely like the last guy they think who would say something at all at a service like that, but let alone something heartfelt and meaningful and that I was excited about and that I had met Jesus and 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 been saved. And so I remember that night, this one kid who I hung out with a ton in high school, I remember he left the room and I remember seeing that, but I didn't really register with me as to you know, what he was up to, but he came back in later that night in that same testimony service. And, you know, he shared that he also had accepted Christ and he was like my, one of my best friends. So that was cool. And then another guy that I was friends with did the same thing basically right after that service. And then in the cabins at the camp that night, a couple more of my friends came to Christ. And so then long story short, we went back to the Christian school the next day, roughly maybe two days later. And um, we had this special chapel because five of the kids at the Christian school had gotten saved. So the principal was like, let's talk about this. And so the principal of the school held this special chapel. And so we got this chapel going where me and the other four that had made this big decision to follow Christ at this camp were going to come and talk to our peers. And so we did. And this is a Baptist place. So they obviously had an altar call. You have to. It's uh, part of the bylaws, I think. (laughs) And so they they were like, you know, as the piano plays, just as I am, if you want to come down the aisle and come down to the altar, you know, um, that was just kind of the tradition. So they held one of those at the end of this special chapel in the middle of school. And like dozens of kids who like nobody ever went down there. And then this time, like dozens of kids stood up and walked down. And I don't remember the exact number, but it was around 20 kids accepted Christ that day. And it was a really small Christian school. So like they kind of had to cancel school the rest of the day because there was all this, the teachers were talking with the kids about salvation and uh, there was all this prayer and counseling going on. And it was kind of out of that revival, uh, just the way the Lord worked all that out um, that I kind of became kind of de facto leader of the rest of the year, I guess, since I was the first one to come to Christ on that week. And uh, through that, really early on, kind of came 
this call to minister to others is called teach the Bible. Of course, I was 17, you know, I was 18, so mm. I, I knew that would be a future thing. Um, but, you know, something along the lines of, of pastoral ministry or evangelism or something, and that call became really clear to me. Um, and so ever since then, ever since I was 17, 18, that year, my senior year, I have been pursuing, you know, a life of uh, ministry, like vocational ministry. Mm-hmm. So I went to Bible college and I studied uh, Bible evangelism was the name of my degree. Mm-hmm. I was a youth pastor in Seattle, youth pastor here in Greenville now, pastor of the wonderful uh, people at Griggs. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like, uh, I would say that's that's about as short of a version as you're going to get from me on my testimony. And I, I hope that does well, suffice. Yeah. Give you well, some... no, I do have a question about it because yeah, I'm sure. you yeah. said that you grew up in a Christian home. And I think about this a lot because I think about when it comes to having a true transformation in Christ. Sometimes it's like you have to learn a new language of mm-hmm. what it means to be a Christian. But you had already heard so much about it. So did you feel like you had to learn new things or did you feel like you've been taught so much that it was just, you made that decision and now we're actively stepping into things you already knew. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I did hear the gospel a lot growing up and I did know, I did have a really solid foundation of biblical knowledge when I got saved by the time I had gotten saved because the adults in my life uh, had served me well and taught me these things, some of it by force, to be honest, but some of it I did want to learn at some point, you know, here and there, though I didn't mm-hmm. really accept Christ for who he was, like I was learning and and hearing these things. And so when I did come to Christ really early on, um, some of this is good, some of this maybe not so good. I did start doing a lot of ministry based on all this knowledge that I had accumulated just from being in a Christian home in a Christian environment. And so I used a lot of that knowledge really quickly, but I definitely felt like I had to learn a new language in so many other ways because my heart had totally changed. And so like um, even just the language of, uh, if you will, of, of separating myself (laughs) from uh, at the time, certain friends that I needed a break from, due to the temptations and difficulties that they would bring. Now, of course, when you mature in Christ, you want to go back into those lives and and mm. uh, show grace and mercy and kindness. When you're 17, there's some things you might just want to stay away from for a season. And so, you know, mm-hmm. things like that, having the courage to do that, which where I used to care what everybody thinks, and I still struggle with that, but, you know, caring less uh, and having this new person in your life that you care what they think, Jesus. Mm. Um, I remember some of it was natural, like in the sense of, I mean, it's supernatural, but some of it was more mysteriously quick, like certain Mm. things that my life changed overnight. So for example, before I was walking with Jesus on Friday nights, I would, you know, I don't know that I would say that I was a, you know, going out and doing something, you know, that the world would consider real high level, you know, sin. Mm -hmm. Christians would, I guess Christians would consider real high level sin, but it was my version of it. Like, um, even if that was, you know, just staying out past curfew, no one, you know, doing some Mm -hmm. minor, um, 
I don't know, like pranks and stuff on folks like out of nowhere, uh, <laughs> hanging out and and just kind of being up to no good all night on Friday night. Because basically I had a friend's house I could go to. And not that this is good. This is sad. His situation was sad. At 17, you thought it was good. But he was basically kind of a free reign at 17. Like he, mm-hmm. his, he lived with a parent, but they had no rules what, whatsoever of any kind. And so mm-hmm. we had a car and we could just go do whatever we wanted. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, like I said, I, I don't know that others would look at it that, you know, testimony and say, oh, dude, you were you were going crazy off the rails. But in my heart, it was crazy and off the rails. Even if it was just trespassing in the middle of the night to go skateboard somewhere. You know, I knew that should the adults in my life have really known where I was, they thought I, so I was somewhere else. I would tell them I was going a different place mm. and go to this kid's house who I knew I could do whatever I want once I got there. And this is before like smartphones where they're GPS and their kids all the time. Mm-hmm. Word for it a little bit more. So I used to life at Griggs here where we have a lot of testimonies and it, it, you know, it has to do with things like, you know, years of, you know, drug abuse and, mm-hmm. and drunkenness. I don't have that exact story, but I have my version of being a prodigal son and it's the same thing mm-hmm. in God's eyes. So. Yeah, so there were some things that miraculously changed overnight. Like I said, um, the next Friday after I got saved, I didn't do any of those things, uh, mm. but spent pretty much, there was a lot of the night I spent that uh, that first Friday night, I remember, uh, in prayer, because I didn't know what to do on Friday nights, and I just prayed a lot that first Friday night. Mm. And I remember thinking, that's so interesting that I'm doing this, because no one's telling me to do this, and no one's, you know, I don't have to fill out that I've done this, I just want to do this. So some of those the new language came mysteriously quickly, but then I, just like anybody, there was a huge percentage of it was that I'm still in the middle of learning, right? So, um, absolutely, yeah. Tons of the struggles that I had stayed and are part of my sanctification now of, of fighting those things and, mm-hmm. and walking in repentance and um, some. Interestingly, some other parts that, yeah, trusting, trusting God was now something I had to do. Whereas before I had no category for that really. Mm. Uh, Okay. We're not going to react to everything and take everything into our own hands or lie to get out of things or lie to get into things. We're just going to trust God, like do the hard work of not working and waiting on the Lord, stuff like that. I mean, did not just miraculously uh, overnight change, but I started to learn that language is, is how you put it. And uh, over time, some of that, mm-hmm. you know, significantly, some of it, I'm still trying to prog- progress and uh, some of it I'll be trying to progress mm-hmm. until I die. But uh, there was definitely, yeah, some knowledge. I had the benefit of getting on quickly, getting to use quickly. Right. But I would say the rest of my conversion experience is probably like many others in that it was a brand new life. A brand new language, everything was new. So there was a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Yep, and I, the reason I ask that is I'm I'm reading a book right now with a Bible study that I'm in about. Um, yes, you really can change by Chip Ingram, uh, and it's about experiencing that genuine transformation in Christ. But I think that one thing that he touches on that you touched on a lot as well is that um, God's grace is so important to remember that we have God's grace. You know, we're often trying to strive to earn it. We're trying to get like these brownie points, I guess, with God. Mm -hmm. 
don't need to do that. We just need to accept his grace. Oh, for sure. Maybe you can talk about that too. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, the Puritans are a good example of this. I love the Puritans, huge fan of the Puritans. Uh, not dogging on the Puritans, but, you know, they were always trying to be pure, right? And doing mm -hmm. the best they could. And they're always in turmoil over the fact that there's all this sin that dwells within them, even after their salvation. There's all this temptation. There's all this. They can't, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, are you as content as possible? Are you as joyful as possible? Are you like, you're, mm -hmm. so you have peace, but do you have as much peace as possible? And the answer is, a, we may not know, but B, probably not. And so you're never going to be perfect. And there was one Puritan, I can't even remember who I was reading, but one of the Puritans in the middle of his book said something along these lines. I'm not quoting directly, but it was, you know, brothers, you know, at some point, we're going to have to just accept the fact that we're accepted, right? And, mm -hmm. you know, quit. Uh, he didn't quite say this, but I think the gist of it yeah. was quit being miserable over our misery. We have plenty of misery. There's no need to add misery to our misery by lamenting how much mm. better we could possibly do. We just have to accept the fact that he's done it all. He's done it right. He's done it once and for all, at least in our justification. We still have mm. sanctification, but we, you know, it is finished as Jesus put it and we are accepted. And at some point mm. you're just going to have to make peace with the fact that we have peace with God on his terms and through his work. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I always tell people the hard work of Christianity is not working. <laughs> you know, that's the hard part. Is, is yeah. Letting the cross be enough every day is. That is so true. That, that's why he commanded them to, well, <laughs> I don't, I'm not getting theologically technical, but as part of why he commanded them to Sabbath and part of why you would think that that'd be mm -hmm. the easiest commandment. And yet that was the one they, they either rebelled against it or they ruined it with religion, especially towards right. Jesus day when they didn't even want him to heal on the Sabbath. Like, oh, that guy's been paralyzed 38 years. Why not wait till Monday? You know, like the idea is they totally, they took something that was so, you would think in your, you know, hey, just don't do anything. And they ruined it. <laughs> and so um, we do the same deal whenever we try to earn brownie points or you know, rebellion is also a part of that, but religion is a huge way in which we just mm -hmm. give, just feed unrest into our soul. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. I think that's been one of my biggest struggles has been not working. Like you said, I mean, mm -hmm. probably that's one of the biggest struggles for Christians, just for Christians is just accepting his grace fully, mm -hmm. just walking in grace. Um, I know that I've struggled with that just for being a Christian for so long mm -hmm. that, I felt like I had certain standards to live up to and things like that, but I had to finally recognize that I'm a human. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I will never be perfect. Only Jesus was the only, he was the only ever perfect person um, to live on this earth and I will never be perfect, but it's okay. Yeah, it's totally okay. <laughs> um, I'm fully accepted. Um, but I'd love to go now into, you talked a little bit about it, but you were called to ministry. It sounds like pretty early on. I mean, mm -hmm. all of us are called to ministry in some way, but you were called, you know, more to uh, to doing this as your actual job, day in and day out. Um, so can you talk a little bit more about that? And then maybe we can go into how you got to Greg's as well. Yep. Well, I definitely think that you're right. I wasn't called to do any, like in Christianity, 
we have no priest, right? So I wasn't mm. called, I'm not better than anyone else by any means or measure. There's no tool you could use that would measure me one inch further towards God than anyone who accepts Christ. Um, so I wasn't called to ministry in some way to be, you know, um, some middleman between normal people and God. It wasn't like that. And it also wasn't that people who don't get paid to do ministry aren't in full-time, you know, Christian ministry or however you want to term it. But I had a lot of teaching opportunities really early on. Mm -hmm. um, 17, 18 years old, just came to Christ and I could teach at the youth group in the Christian school chapel. I actually taught at my church. So a very large church, uh, at least mm -hmm. for a new guy, uh, 17 year old. You know, taught at my church, taught at the, and then all the traditional places new preachers preach at. So, you know, from the nursing home to the prison, I always was at the prison. It was wow. Awesome. And the uh, homeless shelters. Some of that is good because I was learning that this was a spiritual gift I could utilize. I, though it wasn't real refined, <laughs> the sermons were not good. I could tell there was something going on from the Holy Spirit. Like, it keep going that direction. But also, there is some of that that isn't great when someone first meets Christ and is even just a young person in general mm. because of the pressure and some of the pride. So you could either be really inflated if people dig your sermon and you're only 18, and you could be really deflated because you don't know how you kind of, it's really easy if you're you know young in Christ to forget why you were trying to preach. Mm. And so there was a lot of inflation, deflation combos there. But, um, you know, once all that was kind of happening in my life, 18, 19, 20, that just kind of kept going. And it's actually never really slowed down. Guys, before we go, I wanted to tell you about something super, super exciting. And I need to come up with some new adjectives. So you want to send me an Instagram DM at Anna Catherine Neal. I would super, oh my goodness, I just said it again. I would really appreciate you giving me some new words other than super to say on this podcast. Moving on, I just wanted to say that I have something really exciting to share with you about this week. Now, I absolutely love Griggs. I love the Poe Mill community and I love what they mean to Greenville. And I wanted to give to the Poe Mill community uh, up to $100 for every time that this podcast is shared. Now, I will do it between both of the episodes. So this episode part one and a part two coming in the weeks to come. Now, the way that you guys need to do this is please, if you share it, tag me on Instagram at Anna Catherine Mail. You share it on somewhere like LinkedIn tag me at Anna Nail. <laughs> if you share it on Facebook, now I don't have a Facebook, but if you can send me a picture or maybe uh, tag Mitch Miller or tag Grids Community Baptist Church in it, then we will be able to keep up uh, with all the shares on Facebook as well. So thank you so much guys for sharing this podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Don't Mind Me podcast. As always, if you enjoyed the podcast, please share it. 
share it with your friends, share it with your neighbors, share it with anyone that you think might be encouraged by it. And also, go ahead and give us a five-star rating, as this will just ensure that even more people will get to see it and listen to it. Thank you so much again for tuning in, and and make sure to tune in again in two weeks for the next episode. Until then, remember that you are loved.